What do you think the best performing stocks since 2010 are? Netflix, unsurprisingly, is way up there. There are also a handful of biomeds that hit the lotto on FDA approval and have drugs that led to enormous gains. But right there, smack dab in the top 10 best performing stocks of the last decade is a company you would not expect. A company founded in 1960 that IPO'd in 2004 and trended slowly down from 2004 to 2010. They were basically doing nothing when a new CEO took over. He made some changes you might remember when I tell you about them, and the following year, the stock started to tiptoe up. Then, in 2012, it really started to pick up steam. It has not looked back. As of the recording of this episode, the stock is up over 3,000% since 2010. So what's this company? What do you think? I'll give you a hint. They make food. It's not McDonald's and it's not Taco Bell, though those are good guesses. This company outperformed both, easily. Another hint, which probably won't help you all that much, but is what this podcast's about, so I will toss it in here as a little bit of foreshadowing. This company, more than maybe any company I have ever seen, truly understands risk. They know what's risky about their company and what isn't. Most companies, and nearly all founders I meet, have no idea how to think about risk. So what is this company? They are the absolute geniuses behind Chicken Kickers, Cinestix, and the Pizza Tracker. I'm talking about the one and only Domino's, and we've got a whole lot to learn from them. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, and maybe you'd like to get rid of the second of those two, apply at gettacklebox.com. What do you think of when you think of Domino's? I'm an outlier. I love Domino's. No one likes a late night Domino's order more than me. I am famous with my friends for being able to find an open Domino's any time of night. It's a wedding trick for me at this point. But I never thought of them as an interesting company until a few months back when I saw them on a list of the best performing stocks of the decade. I couldn't believe it. Domino's? I had to dig in. The more I dug, the more I got excited. Maybe I wasn't the only one with a soft spot for Domino's. To figure this out a little further, I asked a few strangers in my office what they thought of Domino's, and I got the same sorts of answers over and over. It's fast, it's consistent, the Cinestics or Chicken Kickers or Boneless Wings or insert whatever side dish you like are awesome. It's open late, they have fast delivery, I like the Pizza Tracker, lots of people talked about the Pizza Tracker. Basically what I got is, it's fast and it's convenient and it's there. And, interestingly, more than half of the 15 or so people I spoke with grabbed me as I was walking away and said something like, Hey Brian... Between me and you, I know I live in New York City surrounded by great pizza, but Domino's isn't bad. I order it way more than I'd like to admit. There's some affection for Domino's. We'll get back to this. When Patrick Doyle, the CEO that took over in 2010 and kickstarted this growth, first came in, he poured over negative customer feedback. Something jumped out. There were certainly complaints about the quality of the pizza, lots of them, but perhaps more complaints weren't directly related to the food. Complaints like, the pizza was cold, it took too long, it's not reliable, it's smashed, I didn't get my dipping sauce, and on and on and on. The delivery complaints far outweighed the food quality ones. Patrick Doyle recognized something transformational about Domino's. In his words, quote, We aren't just in the pizza business, we're in the pizza delivery business. We are as much a tech company as a pizza company. I know this phrase has been totally poisoned by companies like WeWork, who are just clearly a real estate company saying that they're a tech company, but for Domino's, this is the truth. The thing that's important to their customer is the thing that all the people in my office mention. It's there. And to make sure it's there, Domino's needed to be unbelievable at delivery. So here Patrick is in 2010. He's the new CEO. He recognizes they need to innovate in the delivery space, and he recognizes the pizza quality isn't great. What can he do? 
How can he turn this around? What would you do? What he did do still gives me a knot in my stomach. It feels like the riskiest thing he could have possibly done, but it's actually the least risky and it sparked the turnaround. What Doyle did was release a series of commercials talking about how terrible Domino's Pizza was. He appeared in these commercials himself next to quotes from customers saying things like, this is the worst pizza I've ever had, the sauce tastes like ketchup, the crust tastes like cardboard. He vowed publicly to improve the pizza quality. Domino's promised to be better. He said they were going to start from scratch. Let's take a minute to think about that. The CEO of a massive company just went on TV and said that their product, the one they were currently selling, was awful. What Doyle and the team probably realized was that they were dead in the water if they didn't say this. Doyle was widely praised for the risk he took with the commercial, but honestly, the riskiest thing he could have done was to stay the course and just die a slow death. Humans suffer from a cognitive bias called loss aversion. It basically means that we will drastically overestimate what we already have and drastically underestimate the potential for something new. I've talked about this before, but it keeps rearing its ugly head, so I'm going to keep driving it home. We'd rather not lose $50 than find $100. Most CEOs would rather keep a slowly dying Domino's alive than try something that might not work. The brilliance of the strategy from Doyle gets me so fired up because it must have been so hard to do. He realized that what was actually valuable to his customer was hot and fast delivery. He realized that what arguably mattered less, but could definitely still be improved, was the taste of the pizza. Armed with those two facts, he went to work. In 2011, Domino's did two pretty revolutionary things. First, they introduced the Domino's Pizza Tracker. If you don't remember it, it felt magical. You place an order online, which, as hard as it is to believe now, was pretty rare in 2011. Then you watched a tracker update your food in real time. You watched your food be made, you watched it leave the store, and then you waited for it to show up at your door. I did this every Sunday in Chapel Hill while I watched football, and I loved it. The next thing they did was release a two pizzas for $5.99 deal. This is a preposterously cheap amount of money for two pizzas, and this was their testing ground. They tested recipe after recipe with a tight feedback loop from customers, enticing them to try their new crust, their new sauce, their new cheese at this low price. They figured out what people liked, and slowly they changed. Everything improved. Customers don't want what you want them to want. They want what they want. And when they ordered from Domino's, they wanted hot, fast, and good enough pizza. In fact, I bet if you ask Domino's what their real values are, I think they're probably just that. Domino's. Your pizza will be hot, your pizza will be fast, and your pizza will be good enough. I heard Jeff Bezos talk about future trends once and it was fascinating. Not because of how prescient he was, but because of how little he cared to predict what tech would be around in the future. He said he didn't have time to work on things that wouldn't be important to people. He didn't want to get caught in trends and spend a lot of time on something that didn't matter. He wanted to spend his time on two things he knew people would always want, cheap prices and fast delivery. He'd innovate around those two things until the cows came home because he knew that that effort would pay off. Domino's started doing the same thing. They knew you would always want fast and hot pizza, so they innovated tirelessly around that. It started with the pizza tracker, and it extended to the vehicles they use, one-seat cars with an oven that can heat 80 pies at a time, the Domino's app, the first app that you could order through, Alexa, ordering through Twitter, ordering through texting a pizza emoji to your local Domino's, which actually works. They created hotspots if you want to order pizza to a tailgate or a park. The friction between you wanting a Domino's pizza and you getting one hot and fast is minuscule. When asked about the challenges he faces, Doyle brings up loss aversion, which we spoke about, and omission bias. Basically, omission bias says it's easier to not do something than it is to do it. 
It's easier to not suggest an innovative out there delivery concept because there's a chance that that goes wrong and that failure is public. If you don't do anything, it'll never blow up in your face. But also, you'll never get the upside if it would have worked. He's challenged by incentivizing people to do things that might fail in search of fast and hot. What he's done is elevate failure. If you try something and it doesn't work, that's okay. It's even celebrated. Startups face omission bias and loss aversion constantly. And what those two really get at is risk. What I'm blown away by is Doyle's understanding of risk. He recognized that a commercial saying his pizza was bad wasn't actually risky. He saw his pizza being bad solely as an opportunity. When I meet with founders, they've usually got no idea what's actually risky about their business. My definition of risk for a company is straightforward. It's focusing on something you can't realistically do better than competitors. The risk is always in differentiation. I meet tons of early DTC brands who take for granted that their main path for customer growth will be Instagram. To me, that feels like the riskiest thing you could possibly do. It's unlikely that you'll pay any less for clicks than anyone else because your branding or targeting or whatever will be that much better, which means you're just going to revert to the mean. You've got to be better than everyone at everything else then. You have to have the most profitable supply chain. You've got to have the best ops, the best hiring. That's what seems risky to me. What seems far less risky is finding a unique channel, a channel where you'll be able to find your customers and maybe other bigger brands aren't aware of this channel or willing to go after it. And if you can't find that channel, maybe you shouldn't start that business. We're at a point in the startup world and in our world in general where the well-worn path is the risky one. It's often hard to see this. Domino's only did because they brought in an outside CEO who had a new perspective. How can you do it? I'm recording this in late December, and last week I was walking down my street looking up at apartment buildings, and I saw something pretty cool. In one building, there were eight straight floors with a Christmas tree in the exact same spot. It was beautiful. The eight trees were stacked on each other with different light patterns and reflecting ornaments. But the people in those apartments had no idea that there were trees in that alignment. They just saw their tree. They didn't see how it fit into the bigger puzzle that I could see. You need to get this outside perspective of your startup, either from someone on the outside or somehow coax it out of yourself. A mental model I've used that I think can be valuable is called inversion. It's about looking at a problem from a completely different perspective. So in Domino's case, instead of asking, how can we give someone a great experience? The question would be, how can we give someone a horrible experience? When you answer that question, it becomes clear that things like you serve food cold, you serve the wrong food, you serve food late, those are more numerous and more realistic than the fact that the food would just be terrible. If you're ordering Domino's, you're kind of signing up for mediocre food. The delta can't be too far off. You are not, however, signing up for food an hour late and ice cold. What's risky then is around delivery. It just took an outsider to see it. And it was a huge opportunity since competitors in the space just didn't see it as a feature that they thought was important. Inversion will help you with jobs to be done theory as well to understand what your customer really wants from you. We touched on loss aversion omission bias as well. Domino's constantly fights these and the fight has to do with incentives. How do you incentivize each person in your startup or prioritize these if you're a solo founder? First, recognize and try and have that outside perspective. Second, recognize that both of these will creep up on you. I suggest a weekly report that highlights the work you're doing that's durable. The stuff in the upper right-hand corner of that Eisenhower box that's going to have benefits for you down the road. We've got a great template of weekly reports. Email me if you want it. And finally, I didn't forget about something I mentioned earlier, how every customer had a bit of a soft spot for Domino's. This is not because the pizza is good. It's because humans love stories. Each time you interact with Domino's, they reinforce their story. 
Easy and fun to order anywhere. Hot, fast, good enough. They make that promise, they keep that promise. Over and over. The quality of the story bleeds into the quality of the product. Pretty good pizza becomes part of a delightful story for me, so pretty good actually becomes great. When you go home for the holidays, you'll go to your local pizza shop. Mine's called Mario's. I pronounce it Mario's, even though everyone else says Mario's. I still think it's some of the best pizza in the world, but it's not about the pizza. It's about everything but the pizza. Domino's has slowly, over the years, told us the story that we're starting to believe. The riskiest thing Domino's could have done was to keep things the same. They didn't, and now their pizza is good. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Tacklebox, the accelerator for full-time jobs in New York City. We've got a virtual program and an in-person program in New York running at all times. Go to Tacklebox.com to apply or email me at brian at gettacklebox.com to chat. Have a great week.